All right, all right. Hello, everybody. This is the VBAC link, and you are with myself, Megan, and Julie, and we have a special treat. You are with a whole bunch of other people today, and we're so excited that you're going to be able to hear from all of them. This episode is going to be powerful. It's going to be emotional. It might be something that fuels fire um, and something that you totally relate to. And I want to start the episode off by encouraging you to have an open mind and open heart as you're listening to these people's stories. We are going to be talking about CBAC today. And if you didn't know, I had a CBAC. Um, I wanted to be back with my second and it ended up in a cesarean. And so in so many ways, I feel like I can relate to all of these people, and I can't wait to hear their personal journeys and feelings and stories. We do have a special message. We're going to skip over our review of the week, and Julie is going to go over the differences between CBAC, VBAC, and scheduled C-section. Is that what you said? You got it. Yes. All right. So we're going to get into that, and then we'll get into these awesome stories. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Birth workers, listen up. Do you want to increase your knowledge of birth after cesarean? We created our advanced VBAC doula certification program just for you. It is the most comprehensive VBAC doula training in the world, perfectly packaged in an online self-paced video course. This course is designed for birth workers who want to take their VBAC education to the next level so you can support parents who have had a cesarean in the most effective ways. We have created a complete system, a step-by-step roadmap that shows exactly what you need to know in order to support parents birthing after cesarean. Head on over to thevbaclink.com to find out more information and sign up today. That's thevbaclink.com. See you there. All right. I just cannot tell you how much I love this group of women that are in this conference right now. I'm looking at our our little recording screen. Everyone has like different color circles with their first initials in it. And it warms my heart because today I'm going to like share a little bit of not too personal details, but we had a Facebook group for all the people that were sharing their stories today just to like really information, make sure everyone's on the same page. So I filled everyone up early this afternoon, or I filled everyone in rather on the details and I left to go about doing all my other things. But when I came back to Facebook Messenger, there were dozens and dozens of messages from these moms talking about what they were going to say on the show and how their feelings are and getting really vulnerable with each other and honestly creating some of the strongest connections. Like I could literally feel the connections growing and strengthening just in this Facebook conversation. And it was so, I don't even know the right word. So endearing. Yes. Powerful. I love it. And so I, I'm looking forward to this episode. 
These are all moms who attempted a vaginal birth after a cesarean, but ended up with a C-section rather than a V-back. And before we get into the story, I want to go over some terminology because the acronyms are pretty nuts, right? You have VBAC, HBAC, CBAC, RCS, VBA2C, HBA2C, and sometimes it can be really confusing. And so generally VBAC obviously is vaginal birth after cesarean. RCS or ERCS refers to parents who choose to schedule a repeat cesarean, whether they want to have a cesarean or whether it's because it, it's there's medical reasons. They might not want to do it, but they feel like it's the best thing for them. And then CBAC stands for cesarean birth after cesarean, which is defined as parents who attempted a trial of labor or labored after cesarean and ended up with a repeat cesarean. And we want to go through and identify the unique challenges that these parents face and the different struggles and emotions that they go through and maybe bring some things up that you might not have considered as you prepare for your own VBAC. So we encourage you to listen, birth worker, parent, anybody, stay tuned because there's going to be some really, really good information here from some really, really strong and powerful women. All right. We are going to, I made Paige go first. Paige transcribes our podcasts. Yay. So you can read them now. <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also read them too. And she's going to be transcribing this one. And we absolutely love Paige. Paige is a, was a member of our VBAC link community. Well, she still is, but she suggested that we create us a, a CBAC group just for parents who were in the community that ended up with a repeat cesarean so that they could have some support and like-minded people. And so Paige is kind of like the founder of our CBAC community as well. Mm -hmm. And so we're so grateful for her for everything that she does. And we're just going to kind of talk about, talk about cesarean and ask questions. Um, all right. So Paige, what is something you wish people would know about your CBAC or just CBAC in general? So I would say that first off, it wasn't our fault. <laughs> the reality is that some birth outcomes are just the luck of the draw in spite of the best prep. And I can only speak for myself, but I know that I did everything under the sun and more to set myself up for a successful VBAC after two C-sections. I was going for um, my second VBAC attempt this time around. This was in June of this year. So some some cesareans truly are necessary. There, there's a trend right now in the birth world to avoid a C-section at all costs. And it can feel really painful to moms who did everything to do just that, but didn't get it. So it sounds really simple, but sometimes we need the reminder that cesareans truly can be necessary. You know, that's so true and um, not only necessary, but like a positive experience too, right? Like mm -hmm. they don't have to be scary and, and um, negative. Okay, so question number two is what is one of the biggest emotions you are working through or had to work through post-birth? So I <laughs> narrowed it down to two actually, which was confusion and embarrassment. I was mostly so confused 
how my intuition told me so strongly this would happen for me. And then it didn't. Like literally, I woke up from general anesthesia after my second birth. So my first CBAC. And I was so empowered from the labor experience. My first words were, can I do that again? I want to try that again. So from that moment on, that's when I started preparing for my my VBAC after two C-sections. I felt so good after every prenatal, once I got pregnant, every chiropractic appointment, every pelvic floor, I knew that I was on the right path. I had every every reason to be confident it was going to happen. So now learning to trust that those feelings were real, the journey was something that I needed in spite of the outcome and that my intuition didn't lead me astray is something that I still, I'm still working on. And then that level of embarrassment, one of the main reasons I was going for a VBAC was because I wanted to be a champion of VBAC. I wanted to be a walking example of empowered birth with my first pregnancy and birth, I was so afraid of birth in general. I literally did not think I would survive. So I wanted to be the success story of going from complete fear to complete confidence and then showing women that this is what we were made to do. I feel like I still came a long way in how confident I was and how much I've grown and how strong I am now. But now with my outcome, it's tempting to feel like my story makes people afraid to go for a VBAC instead of feeling inspired to do it. But I still I still believe in VBAC. I'm still so passionate about it. I love it. And I'll always long for one. Yeah, yeah. that's some really real stuff. I think it's really important. I think we'll probably talk a lot about this during the episode where people get told, oh, at least you have a healthy baby. Or aren't you so grateful for your cesarean? It saved your life. But I think it's really important to recognize that there's so many emotions surrounding this, but also, also we're grateful that we have a happy, healthy baby and mom. But sometimes people don't consider that mental health comes into play when we talk about health of baby and mom. And sometimes babies aren't healthy and sometimes moms aren't healthy. So I'm glad that you talked about that. Thanks. Okay, so the next thing, what is something positive or uplifting you have found in your story or have you even gotten to that point yet? Julie, you touched on this a little bit, but the VBAC link CBAC support group has been the highlight and the greatest source of healing for me, honestly, this time around. I have found women that I know needed to come into my life during this time. And a few of them are on the episode today. It's so fun to be able to talk to them and see them on here. So just love you all. And I'm so grateful for each of you, but especially during COVID when it's very isolating, it's a very difficult time to be going through postpartum. These women helped me feel like I had a tribe, like I was seen and understood. This group wasn't, it wasn't me. It was a joint effort. Julie, Megan, you don't know that, but I was messaging some other women personally, and we talked about how we felt forgotten. We talked about how we wanted to have a space. And uh, I still personally message some of these women just to check in on how they're doing. And it meant everything to me to have these women checking in on me during uh, some really dark and lonely days right after my birth because they were going through it too. And I, I typically shy away from sharing too much on social media, but this CBAC group is such a safe place. And throughout my pregnancy, it was also, um, well, now it was also really healing to know 
that you, Julie and Megan, were both so supportive of creating this group because throughout my pregnancy, you too were some of my biggest mentors. And when I got my C back, there was this kind of feeling of, uh, I let them down, which I know is not true. And obviously you had no idea of who who I even was, but um, seeing the way that you are champions of not just feedback, but empowered birth and C back Mm. included in that just means everything. Oh, we're so grateful for you. And honestly, like when you brought up the group, I texted it to Megan and our admin, Sarah, and I'm like, why have we not done this yet? Like, this is like, it was an instant yes from everybody. Like we, we created it, I think the exact same day and we're just really excited to have a space for you because like, I don't even understand what you're going through. I know I, I, I've seen it with my, my clients and we obviously hear stories and we see your conversations in the group, but Megan can relate a little bit more because she had a second cesarean after trying for a VBAC, but being able to just be a silent, like lurker, not to sound creepy, (laughs) but in the group really helps me understand better where cesarean or where CBAC moms are coming from. And it helps me understand Mm -hmm. a little bit better how to approach them. And so I want to just thank everybody, not only on this call, but in the group for for being there and being in that space. And it is really such a supportive space. So thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And when I didn't get my V back, I was in the, uh, the group that caused me a lot of oh. issues emotionally um, at the time. And I remember like, group. not our, group. Uh, not our group, <laughs> but a different group back in the day. It, I mean, it's still around, but um, I remember posting in there that I did not, get my V back. And I remember pretty much in a way being told, I told you so. Why were you so stupid for trying in the first place? And so when you said, why we want a place for us, we feel like there's no place for us. I remember leaving every V back group, every single one and unsubscribing to everything V back because I couldn't be in that space. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't be there. And um, I was sick of the I told you so's, right? And so, like Julie said, when this was proposed, it was like a no-brainer, Anna, where the heck have we been type of a thing, a moment of why didn't we even think of this? So, so, so grateful for you. Um, Last but not least, I know we've got lots of amazing people to share. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to share or that you feel like people need to know? I just want to reiterate how strong these women are, how resilient they are. Not not by choice, but because they have to be. There's an extra level of courage and deeper strength that that we have to tap into to not only get to not get the birth outcome that you want, not only once, but often multiple times in, in some cases. But for women who are prepping for their VBAC right now, I want to advise you to not be afraid, <laughs> especially listening to this episode. We don't want you to be afraid of a CBAC or or a VBAC in general. I want to say, fight for it. Invest your heart in it. Go 100% all in if that's what your intuition is telling you to do. Follow that. Because the chances really are that you will get it. The odds are literally in your favor. And if you don't get it, if you're labeled, if the doctors label you a failed TOLAC, we're here. 
now that this group is made, we're, we're here for you. We'll hold the space for you. We'll catch you. And you're never a failure to us. You will be okay. You might not feel it and it might take some time, but I promise that you will be okay. Mm-hmm. So me and Megan are just over here, like texting each other about how much we love you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love you guys. That's mutual very much. <laughs> um, I, before we go on to our next person who is Christian, I want to touch on something that I actually forgot to mention at the beginning. Most of preparing for birth is getting educated, having the right provider, having the right support team, um, knowing all your options, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there is a part of it that is just pure freaking luck. And sometimes I, I, I've seen it myself with my own clients and sometimes you can do everything and you can work so hard and you just get dealt a really rough hand and end up in a repeat cesarean. But I've also seen clients who, how do I say this? They don't work as hard or care as much into putting the effort in and they get lucky and they have their V back. And sometimes that is a really hard thing to process. Even as a doula, even as a doula, I have some, a really hard time like processing like, why did this birth go that way? But that birth went this way. And I know I've talked to Megan about this several times. And I know some of you are going to talk about this, but it's really hard when you've worked so hard and get dealt a bad hand and get that bad luck on your side. And I think that what Paige touched on is exactly important is that sometimes, sometimes it's just bad luck and that's all it is. And there's no one to blame and it's nobody's fault. It's just bad luck. All right. Next up. Christian. Christian. (laughs) Hi guys. Hi Christian. Hello. Hello. All right. Megan, why don't you start? We can alternate so that we don't keep asking the same questions. <laughs> well, the questions are kind of the same, but. Um, it. No, I yeah. mean, like you asked one and three this time, and now that's two and four. Perfect. <laughs> okay. So, what are some, what is something that you wish people would know about your CBAC and CBAC in general? Yeah, I think it's a ready page touched on it a little bit. And, and you both have touched on it, but I think you can do everything right. I use that in quotes and still end up with a CBAC. I never thought I would have a one cesarean birth, much less two. I literally planned my VBAC in the hospital with my oldest and both of my babies were footling breech and both times I went into labor the night before my scheduled ECV. So I thought I had done, in both scenarios, I thought I had done everything right to have the birth outcome that I had hoped for. But but yeah, that luck was not on my side either time. I agree. I think that's a really important thing to note. Okay. So what is one of the biggest emotions you're working through now or had to work through after your birth? I mean, I think Sorry, I'm just going to go out on a little teeny tangent. I think that like processing a birth isn't like an ongoing process, but like where you're at in your journey right now, what is the hardest thing you're working through or, or had to work through? Yeah, I think the biggest emotion I have had and I'm still processing is just the frustration of that I spent so much time, energy, 
money <laughs> trying to get uh, my son in the right position. Even before I knew he was breech, I thought I was, you know, hopefully going to prevent him from ever being breech like my daughter. And that ultimately, even after doing all of those things, I ended up with the same result. And so unlike my first birth, I don't have the what ifs of like, what if I had tried X, Y, or Z, but I have the frustration of like, I tried all of those things. And for me, they didn't work. And so that I'm still working on and, and seeing people that, you know, I think if I hear one more person tell me about spinning babies or chiropractic or any number of things that I tried, (laughs) I might just like uh, scream at them. And everyone is trying to be so helpful and thoughtful. But I think when you have tried all those things and you've done all the things that people do to get a VBAC and it doesn't end up being that hearing them one more time is just, uh, <laughs> is just too much. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, so still working through that frustration piece. It's definitely understandable. That's a really hard thing to go through. Cause like you, like you said, even though, you know, people are well-intentioned, it's still like, yes, yes, I did that. I had that with my breastfeeding journey. Breastfeeding never worked for me ever. Like all four times. And despite all of my, I, I tried all the things literally. And if I, I think I can relate to your sentiment when if I say, if I hear anyone say, did you ever try fenugreek? I will like, all right, let me just punch you in the face right now. because <laughs> That's just, oh, anyways, um, I can relate to that. All right, Megan, you are up. Okay. So what is something positive or uplifting that you have found in your story? And if nothing, um, you know, have you not gone to that point? And is there anything you'd like to share on that? Yeah. So even though my, like the physical aspects of my labor and birth were almost identical, like both times, both times footling breech baby, both times going into labor the night before my scheduled ECV, how quickly my labors progressed, and then ultimately having a C-section, even though the physical aspect of it was so similar each time. The fact that I had a different provider the second time and that that provider was truly amazing, it was such a healing experience that I never thought was possible with a CBAC. If you would have told me when I got pregnant with my son that I'd have a CBAC and and I feel okay about it because of my provider, I, I don't think I would have believed you. I know I wouldn't have believed you, but I think just in my first birth, I felt really unsupported, sort of like I was, you know, unwanted, the unwanted statistic of a C-section because I was with midwives that deliver at a birth center. And with my second provider, he was there the whole time. And I think he was as disappointed as I was that I needed to have a C-section. But I also knew that if he if it came to that and I had to have a C-section, it wasn't for any other reason than that it was medically necessary. Um, and he, he gave me the best shot. You know, he did an ECB while I was in labor. He let me labor as long as possible to see if the baby would flip. And he would have delivered a breech baby if my son had been Frank breech. So all of those things, 
I just felt really, really supported. And afterwards, you know, he was there and he was there to explain what happened and to talk it through with me and spend the time and, you know, tell me right away that I could, you know, I could try to have a VBAC if and when I have another baby. So I think the physical aspect was the same, but the mental aspect was so, so different. I think that's important to understand. Megan, do you want to add anything about your second cesarean or do we want to just go on? Um, For the sake of time and everybody else's story, we'll just go on. Okay, cool. Um, All right, Kristen, what, is there anything else you want people to know like about your birth specifically or just cesarean birth after cesarean in general? Yeah, I mean, some of it, I well, both things have been touched on already. I mean, I think the CBAC link just has been such an amazing community to join. Like Paige, I'm not really a social media poster. I don't really typically, you know, do that. But the group has just been such an amazing place to process that. So I would say to listeners, if you've had a CBAC or if, you know, ultimately you end up in that situation, the community's here and it's an amazing community to uh, to lift you up. And then, you know, I think for people out there that are trying to support CBAC women, I would just say just to listen and not add the added advice. I um, I had a lactation consultant um, after my son was born that said, oh, I wish you lived in Canada because you would have had two vaginal births because, you know, they, they don't do C-sections for breech Whoa. babies. Whoa. Um, and, you know, first, I don't live in Canada, so... <laughs> um, and and I don't think that that's necessarily true. So I would just say, you know, whether it's true or not, it's not helpful in in the situation. And to just let let the seaback mama have her story and not add add to it. Thank you, thank you so much for that. I think that's really important. Um, okay, so let let's see. Next up is Marie. All right, Marie. Hi there. Welcome. Marie just moved away from us, which kind of makes me sad, but that's okay. Uh, Marie, (laughs) still love you. What is something you wish people would know about your CBAC or just CBAC in general? I would say more often than not, we would love to share if you ask. (laughs) I, I just wanted to give a little context to share about my CBAC. Because my my CBAC was very traumatic for me, but it was kind of like Paige touched on this, like it was, but it was necessary because it it saved my son and that was part of that trauma. I had labored naturally because my body doesn't respond really well from epidurals. That's what I found out with my first one. Anyway, I I labored naturally for 18 hours and, and then I eventually had to have an epidural place because my transition phase getting my water broken, sorry, right before my transition phase was exceptionally painful and I felt everything. And it was, my son was having heart decelerations in between con- contractions and and then they were happening so frequently that we realized we just had to get him out as soon as possible. And again, my body wasn't responding to epidural, so I felt a good deal of my surgery <laughs> and I couldn't help but be very vocal. And then when, eventually when they got him out, he wasn't crying. So, you know, so I had that 
mentality going on as well. And our son was okay, but he was diagnosed with hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, which is brain damage caused by lack of oxygen. So he was driven to primaries and put on a cooling pad for four days to slow down his brain activity to try and let it heal optimally. But the following week, he had tests for his heart and brain until finally they uh, let us know that he had miraculous results and overall his brain damage was little to none. So while my CBAC was traumatic, it was saved, it saved my son. So C-sections really are a blessing. Sometimes I would want yeah, people to know things <laughs> are really, really amazing. You know, you have my first one was my first one felt unnecessary because it was failure to progress. But and so I, I was left feeling really empowered to get a vaginal birth the second time. But the second time I really was, <laughs> I really needed that C-section. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. She really has experienced to the two, you know, opposite ends of like, no, yeah. maybe not. And okay. Like totally, totally necessary. Okay. So what is one of the biggest emotions that you are working through or, um, or did work through? <laughs> I would say it's a mixture of both because I feel like I have worked through it, but then every once in a while it pops up and I would say that's bitterness. <laughs> but my bitterness comes from a skin to skin. So, you know, I, I had looked forward. My, my cousin once told me like the most magical feeling in the whole world is having that skin to skin at right after you deliver your baby. And, it, and I just could not wait to experience that. So, you know, d- during my first daughter, I, for my first uh, C-section. I didn't get to hold her for a couple of hours. And then with the second one, you know, I, I, I prepared, as I was preparing for this VBAC, I accepted the small possibility of my skin to repeat cesarean because all I really wanted was to be awake and lucid, which I wasn't with my first, and just, just and to get to hold him skin to skin immediately after his birth. So during his cesarean, not only did I not get a gentle cesarean, but I didn't get to hear him hold him or behold his face for four days. And when I first held him four days later, I was a ball of emotions trying so hard to just savor the moment and holding his hand that was all bruised by all the needles and looking at his face with his oxygen mask. And I went to bed that night feeling like we had both been cheated out of that moment between mother and son. And I was fighting resentment that I had to but I soon discovered that lots of NICU parents feel the complex dual emotion of being both angry and grateful. <laughs> but as time has passed, I would say that the bitterness is mostly gone. It still pops up from time to time that I didn't get to be with him the first two weeks of his life. But overall, now I'm feeling I'm left feeling more gratitude than anything. Yeah. And during all that time, I just have to congratulate you on how amazingly strong you were. Because I'm can't even imagine how hard that was, but you, you were a rock. Well, you, you were, you were one of my doulas. So you know, you definitely knew that. (laughs) I know you're a rock. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Julie, do you have the other question? All right, Marie, what is something positive or uplifting you found in your journey or have you um, not really gotten to that point yet? It's an astute question because the word positive is used. (laughs) It's difficult to find joyful, memorable moments when your Mm -hmm. goals or expectations aren't met. 
So what you're left doing is finding gratitude and validation and positivity in your in your seaback story. But first and foremost, I'm forever deeply grateful for the miracle of my son. And looking back, I'm so glad I had a provider who helped me go into labor on my own and that I fought for that too, because he did, you know, introduce induction options, but I really fought for going into labor on my own because I didn't with my first. And I feel validated that I did everything I could to get a natural vaginal birth. And I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that I found that I found there's a lot of positive things I've found in my story. You know, I found a family among NICU parents and the CBAC Facebook group. I learned that there are better experiences and there are sacred experiences. There's just, but it all comes down to what your, what your story is, what your experience is. And, you know, that is, it belongs to you and it's special to you and it's nobody else's. So yeah, I guess there you go. (laughs) No, I love that. Like, I think you answered that perfectly. And maybe I worded the whole question wrong for everybody. Everybody else, you are free to interpret question number three, however you would like. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was was great. I love it. I I hit it on the head. (laughs) Is there anything that you would like to add? I would want people to, to know, you know, we've, we've, Throughout VBAC Link podcast, you know, we've been uplifted and inspired by so many women, including wonderful Megan, <laughs> who had successful vaginal births after multiple cesareans and very high success rate. And it's, you know, it's great. It's a great goal. And it's, you know, I don't have any regrets trying for a VBAC. You know, I would do it all over again. But anyways, I would want people to know that there are some CBAC women who might end up choosing or needing to do an elective cesarean for any subsequent pregnancies. So with that being said, I would want people to know, especially coming from a strong VBAC mentality, it's it's a very scary and difficult decision to come to. You know, it's something that I'm that I'm having to face right now because I do want more kids, but having, you know, the VBAC and the cesarean were both scary. <laughs> so I'm really having to juggle with what I'm going to do next. But if I mm-hmm. end up wanting to do an elective cesarean, or if I need to do one, then I would want, you know, my VBAC community, my VBAC sisters to be supportive of me and excited for me and, you know, be excited that I'm doing an elective cesarean. I would, I would want, I would hope that, yeah. And you deserve so that. Support from that. Yeah. You deserve that support. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Marie. Um, next up, we have Anne. Yes. And Anne, we have, what is something you wish people would know about your CBAC? Hey, guys. So first off, can I just say, like, I'm really fangirling here because I have listened to CBAC, oh, my goodness, for as long as I I think, like, from the get-go, probably. So, well, thank you so much. You guys have been there through uh, my first VBAC, and so I did have a C-section and a VBAC, and then I got pregnant with twins, and that kind of put a, a rudder in everything, so I was going for two VBAC, which is difficult in itself with twins, so I guess that's one thing that I would like to touch on, which is different in my story, is that with multiple, you know, uh, vaginal births, is already hard enough to get supportive providers for but with the twins, it was even harder. So I really had to fight tooth and nail 
to even get the chance to try for my VBAC. So for me, it was about, I guess, facing fear head on, like whether you're trying for a VBAC or having that feedback, which I ended up with ultimately. Yeah, like I just want people to know that, you know, it's never an easy choice whether you decide to get it or whether it's an emergency in the end. Like having that C-section is not the easy way out like other people can see if that's what I can see on that. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Sometimes you have to choose. Sometimes choosing a repeat cesarean is just as difficult as going through labor and ending up with a C-back. So no, I agree. That's, I agree 100%. Yeah. Okay. And I definitely oh. like, I, I did the tool lock and everything. We got to that seven centimeters and we elected to have the C-back and like, I cried my heart out. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's never an easy choice. Yeah, it never is. Never along the way for sure. All right. Um, what is one of the biggest emotions you are working through or had to work through post birth? I would say mine would be shame, I guess. I don't know if anybody else feels this way. But, like, I love telling my birth story because it has so many cool and different things that happened along the way. We were induced with a pulley bulb, and the labor was just, like, oh my gosh, it was textbook, like, beautiful labor. I didn't even feel my contractions before I got the epidural. Like, it was, it, it was a good experience. But then when I get to that point where I have to tell people that, you know, oh, we stalled out at seven centimeters and yeah, we decided to get a C-section. And then you just see people's faces kind of turn a little bit. So I guess I'm still kind of processing that, not feeling ashamed and just being proud of how hard I fought and how wonderful it was anyways. Yeah, I think that's really important. I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a really hard thing to work through. Absolutely. Okay, next question. What is something positive or uplifting that you found in your story? So it's like I said, I did have a really good labor to begin with, and I felt supported in all my choices. So that was something really positive for me because with my first, which ended up in a C-section, I didn't feel that support at all. So it was kind of healing in that way. And I'm just happy overall that I got to have that experience and got to give my babies, you know, that, I don't know how to say it, I guess those labor hormones and, because that was my ultimate goal was just to have them receive that and kind of go from there. So I'm just happy overall that I, I got my number one goal. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Is there anything else you want to add or that you wish people would know? I guess that even if a C-back wasn't your first pick, which, you know, obviously if we're going for a V-back, it it probably wasn't, that having that supportive provider is just as important as having a supportive provider with your V-back. I feel like my provider definitely made the whole difference for my recovery and how I feel about my whole experience because when push came to shove and we decided to have that that C-section and I cried, she was there for me. And whatever I asked, she made sure that, you know, we would try and get whatever possible to make me feel comfortable. Like I asked her to, you know, kind of go through everything she was doing, just kind of 
narrated, I guess, as she was doing it. And she said it was an odd request, but she did do it. So just being heard, I think, from a provider and having that support is just, it's so important. So when you're looking for a provider, not just thinking about how they'll support you through a VBAC, but also trying to figure out if they're going to kind of be there if plans don't go as you planned. I really love that thought. That's, I think that's really important. I've, I honestly don't think I've ever thought about it in that perspective before. So thank you mm-hmm. for sharing that. Okay, next up we have Jolene. Hi there. Hi, Hi Jolene. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. So good. I'm so good just to be surrounded and listening to like, two ladies. You're just, I'm smiling like the whole way through. You just, I just love it. Okay, question number one. What is something you wish people would know about your CBAC or just CBAC in general? So a quick briefing. I had my CBAC in October 2020. Following a spontaneous 33-hour labor, my water ruptured naturally at home, 38 weeks and 4 days. I never dilated past 1 centimeter and baby never descended past a negative 2 station. Even with Pitocin, about five hours of Pitocin induction during that a hospital birth. So I had no food and pretty much no sleep. So I did have my CBAC called uh, failure to progress. But it's kind of my choice because of the exhaustion. Overall, I think as a CBAC parent that we all had this goal set and probably had small goals in between. And we had to reach those goals. We researched and we prepared and we advocated and we did air quotes, all of the things. And in the end, um, no matter what our outcome was, we all have our experiences and our stories. And however we feel about these experiences, I just want people to know that our feelings are valid. It's okay if You need to mourn your birth experience, and it's okay to love your birth experience, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just have to find a healthy output uh, for those things. Absolutely. And it's okay to take as much time as you need to mourn that birth experience. And question number two is, what is one of the biggest emotions that you're working through or have already worked through? Being recently postpartum for my CBAC, when I have time to think back, at my whole journey. It's not really an emotion. It's more of a gnawing. Uh, what if? Uh, I originally wanted a home birth. I wanted the twinkle lights and the affirmations, the hypnobirthing and, you know, the, the birth tub. I had hospital birth. I constantly asked myself, what if I stayed home longer? What if I had gotten the epidural? Uh, what if I had the doula that I wanted? That's really that's really the one thing that weighs on me. I think a doula would have changed my outcome. What if I had went a few more hours before agreeing to have a surgery? Um, it gnaws and it eats at me. I will share a quick story. Before they took me back to the to the OR, um, I turned to my boyfriend and I said, "Do you remember how I was after our?" Our first daughter, her name was Elowen. He said, yeah, I said, you need to prepare for me to be like that again. And he was, he was like, I know. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to be after this. 
I might be struggling. I just want you to know that. I want you to prepare for that if you have to help me through this. They took me back to the OR, and as they were taking baby out, I had heard my midwife's voice, and I had no idea that she was the attending midwife during my surgery. And she said, you know, I told you that she was going to try to come on my birthday. And I I just felt so calm in that moment. And I, I said, Heather, is that you? And she said, yeah, it's me. And immediately, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, Heather, I didn't get my V back. And I cried. Mm-hmm. And I was bawling. And I could, I could feel her emotion behind that blue veil. She said, I know, hon, I'm so sorry. And that was the first time I realized that I didn't get my V back. And it really sunk in. It's crazy how that can happen. And you're like, whoa, all right. And here we go. It, that just sunk in right there. And I'm processing this now. Yeah, honestly, I'm so that. like invested in the story i don't even know what question we're on anymore i think three what is something positive or uplifting have you found something uplifting or positive in your journey and if if not that's okay too yeah so a positive thing that i took out of my whole experience and my whole journey was that i found this strength that i never knew that i had i so often hear the phrase Use your voice even if it shakes. So I learned to advocate for myself. And thankfully, I had two wonderful providers, an OB and a certified nurse midwife, who gave me no pushback and they supported me the entire way from the get go. Um, okay, is there anything else that you would like anyone to know <laughs> about CBAC? Yeah, so it's kind of like the other ladies had mentioned. You can. Prepare all you want. You know, it's it's going to be the luck of the draw. And that's even what my OB had told me at my two-week postpartum visit. You know, I asked, was there anything physically wrong with me inside? You know, anything wrong with my pelvis? He said, you know, it was just kind of the luck of the draw. I have no idea why things went the way they went. You can eat all the dates you want. You can go to the pelvic floor therapist. You can go to the chiropractor every single week. You can bounce on your ball. You can walk. You can take a red raspberry leaf. You know, it's it's not going to give you the, the outcome that you want. You know, you're not always going to get that outcome. It doesn't always happen. Yeah. yeah so you have to accept it. Mm-hmm. And it, it is hard. It is a hard pill to swallow, too, if, if it doesn't happen the way that you want it to. But. Um, just know that you're not alone in your in your struggles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's really important. You're not alone in your struggles. And I, I've actually was taking notes while you were talking because I want to make some social media posts from some things you said. Actually, all of you guys, I've been taking notes. But, um, but I think that that's really important to know. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jolene, for sharing your story with us. But you're right. I just want to chat with everybody so long, but Megan's like, I Come know. On, we, got, we got to get back on track. I'm <laughs> like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I want to um, make sure everyone gets their time. All right. Um, next is Brett. Okay. Hey. Hi. All right. Brett, I'm so glad you're with us. Um, you're one of the people that I'm fr- like, whose names I'm familiar with in the community. By now, I'm familiar with all of your names. But um, Brett, I, I think I just remembered you from. I think I was there from the beginning. I was yeah. one of the first people. So. 
Yeah, I love it. So let's get right into it. So what is something you wish people would know about your CBAC or just CBAC in general? I think one of the hardest things for me to deal with after my CBAC was everyone saying, you know, well, at least you have a healthy baby because yes, I have a healthy baby and you know, that's amazing, but you know, I'm thrilled he's okay. I don't have to worry about him, but at least you have a healthy baby can be absolutely true, but it can also be very unhelpful to women who are going through birth trauma and the pain of losing the birth experience that we fought so hard for. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. 100%. It discredits. Yeah, it it takes away from all of the hard work that we went through and like it takes the mom out of it and it makes it all about the baby and birth isn't just about the baby. Birth is also about the mom. Mm -hmm. I agree. I kind of feel the same way about the phrase like when like everyone in my life tells me it'll be okay. It will be okay. (laughs) But I'm like, it will be okay. Like I know that it will be okay. But right now it's not okay. I love the concept of toxic positivity and how mm-hmm. like yes, being positive is good, but you can be too positive. And yeah. if you don't give people the space to talk about their emotions and talk about their trauma, you're not helping. You're like, you're, you're just sh- like silencing them and shutting them down. And I feel like that happens a lot to, to women who go through traumatic births. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. All right, Meg, next question. All right. What is one of the biggest emotions you are working through or have worked through? I think for me, it was probably the feeling of failure and the guilt that came along with it. I chose to switch to a home birth back at around 35 weeks, mostly because of COVID, but I was honestly using that as an excuse. I, I really wanted to try for a home birth back. I paid for the midwife in addition to the OB. I spent all the extra money on all the extra things. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, and I still failed to get my V back, you know, despite having perfect conditions. You know, I was at home with my mom and my husband and a midwife who was supportive. I did everything, and I I still failed to do it. And knowing that, and having two C sections now, I'm limiting the number of kids I can most likely have. It it hurts. And the guilt for all of the effort and money that I put into something that I, you know, quote, failed at, it, it is real. It is real. No, those are very real things. I agree with you guys 100%. Like everything you have said has just touched, has just touched me in a whole bunch of different ways. So thank you for sharing that with us. Okay, my turn. What is something positive or uplifting you found in your story or have you not even gotten to that point yet? Honestly, even though I didn't get my V back, my C back birth was like super healing for me. Uh, my first birth was just just hell. Uh, it was twenty nine hours of induced labor with every medication side effect in the book. The magnesium made me feel like I had the flu. I puked over forty times during labor, and then our son came out not breathing, and I didn't get to meet him for five hours. And I was a drugged mess, and don't remember pretty much most of it. Uh, so with this birth, you know, I went into labor on my own. I had a wonderful labor at home. My husband made burgers in the middle of labor and I devoured a whole burger in like two minutes in the middle of labor. And even when we made the decision to transfer and that part was, you know, emotionally traumatic, our son came out screaming and I heard his voice right away. I got to hold him right away and we got skin to skin, which I didn't get with Landon, you know, I didn't get to meet him for the first five hours. And it just made a really big difference in healing after the birth for me. 
I think that's really important. Oh. And I just had to chuckle when you said cheeseburgers because I, <laughs> because I am a big fan of cheeseburgers and I always joke <laughs> about that. Um, when <laughs> I tell my clients about like eating and drinking during labor, I'm like, I like smoothies and stuff because they generally, <laughs> if they're throw up, they generally come up smoother than a cheeseburger does. And so I always am talking about cheeseburgers. And uh, I, I actually love a cheeseburger. It. My husband was making them. My husband's a chef. And so we said, well, you can make food for the midwife and stuff. It'll distract you while I'm in labor. And uh, <laughs> so he made burgers and they asked if I wanted one. And I was like, you know what? Yes, I would love one. And I literally ate the whole thing like before the midwife had even sat down with her plate of food. Like <laughs> it was great. Good for you. It was awesome. And then I didn't, you know, because I ended up with a C-section. I didn't get to eat. And I had all the side effects to the medication again. So I didn't get to eat for like. 24 hours after that cheeseburger. So it was a good thing I had the cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. Okay. So is there anything, let's see, is an uplifting book? I'm not even looking at the questions. Yes. Is something positive? <laughs> what about else do you want You have found your story. <laughs> I thought this was number three. Oh yeah. Duh. She just said that. Okay. What else <laughs> that was do you want people three. to know? <laughs> I think we got distracted. It's <laughs> all right. Uh, Sorry. I wish that people understood that the emotional healing from a cesarean is just as important as the, as the physical healing. Uh, cesarean incision like heals over long before the emotional wounds stop hurting, but nobody really thinks about that part, and we're kind of just left on our own to try and muddle through that, and that's hard. Yes. Yes. I think that is so powerful. I had a provider once tell a client, like, oh, as soon as she feels like she can stand up and walk, she'll be fine. And I was like, uh, okay. So nonchalant about it. Yeah. My like that doesn't necessarily heal for like three months this time. The first time it was within a couple of weeks, and this time I think it was September before my incision fully healed. And honestly, I think it's because we went to the beach and I spent three days in the salt water. And that's, I think that's the only reason it actually finally healed over. And I don't know why it took so long, but even then, like the emotional stuff is still there and yeah. the incision finally healed. Yeah. Ah, oh. well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love all your points. We all have right. Up one. next, last but not least, or maybe it's last the best of all the game. Ah. <laughs> All right, Grace. Megan, do you want to ask the first question? Yes. Okay. Grace, what is something that you wish people would know about your CBAC or just CBAC in general? Hi. So first wanted to say thanks for having me on along with these other warrior women. But something I think I wish people knew was how much we all actually invest in fighting and trying for our VBAC and getting there emotionally, physically, some cases financially. I mean, I think like someone had said earlier, I was planning my VBAC while I was still in the hospital after having my daughter. And I knew I needed a new provider, a new hospital. I wanted a doula. So right from the right from that day on, it was it was a, a journey for me for sure. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, okay, second question. What is one of the biggest emotions you are working through now or had to work through after your birth? So my CBAC was definitely emotionally healing um, in comparison to my first cesarean. 
my first cesarean was from um, an induced labor, a long labor. My doctor was very impatient, made me push well, way before I needed to. I ended up under general anesthesia, so I, I really have no positive feelings from, from my daughter's birth, unfortunately. And this time, you know, I went into labor on my own. I got to labor at home before going to the hospital. It was pushing. I mean, I got everything that I wanted other than literally just pushing the baby out myself. So, so that was that. And then, but then I think about like, well, what if all the what ifs is what I'm really Mm -hmm. struggling most days is what if I got the epidural this time that I really so strong was strongly against based on my first experience with it? Maybe it would have let me labor a little bit longer. Or what if I just push longer instead of just kind of making the decision myself to opt for the cesarean? Um, My son this time ended up being OP and I knew he was going to be pretty big. So both my midwife and my doula were like, well, if it was one or the other, maybe we could work through it. But I think the combination of the two was really stacked against me. But at the end of it, they let me make the decision if I wanted to keep trying or do the cesarean. I remember my midwife asking me like to deep down, like dig deep, like, do you feel it inside if you can push this baby out? And honestly, I self-reflected and I really didn't think I could. So that's why we chose the cesarean. But then, you know, again, like, what if, well, what if, I would have just stuck with it. What if I would have just pushed a little longer? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, ugh, it's just like, <laughs> it kills me. I know. I know. Those what ifs are, they can really get to us and it's hard not to ask the what ifs. And I feel like we start the what ifs before we even go into labor. And, and even in the decision to VBAC or to CBAC, well, what if I do this? Well, what, what if I could do deliver vaginally? What if I have something bad happen? You know, there's just those what ifs. It's, it's personally right. something so hard to get. Yeah. And then through. I think like the end of the day, I was like, you know, I really want this V back, but I really want my baby here healthy more. So, you know, it's putting my wants aside just for, you know, I don't want, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd love a V back, but I really would love my baby here now mm-hmm. healthily mm-hmm. <laughs> instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Um, okay. Question number two is what is one of the biggest emotions you are working through or have worked through? Post-birth? I think we just did. We were just. Oh, talking. see, yeah. this is what the thing is, is I do the question every time. Nope. It's number three. It's what is something positive or uplifting you have found in your story? I'm just listening to the answer and not knowing what the I'm just relating. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think like, just my whole journey, this pregnancy leading up to even getting pregnant and then my whole pregnancy, I just, I just felt empowered, um, you know, and I was self-advocating. I researched a ton, you know, with my, my first pregnancy, I was under the care of doctors and I just naively trusted them. Like they said to do this. I'm like, well, they're the expert. Okay. And then this time I just, I really educated myself and I knew what my rights were and what I could get. And, um, you know, I switched to, a midwife and I hired a dual and I went to a different hospital and I did literally all the things that I could do and that, that were there for me. And, you know, even though I ended up with the C back and like I said, it was healing for me and I felt confident that I exhausted all my options and I left no stone unturned to, so to say, in what I could have done. So mm-hmm. I was proud of myself for, for all those things. And you should be. 
<laughs> Thank you. It's great that you can look back on your birth like that and feel confident in your choices. That's really yeah, important. For sure. All right. Last question. Anything else you want people to know? I think the biggest thing is that, you know, that we can still love our babies unconditionally and yet still yearn for a certain birth story. And I think yes. some other women have said, you know, it's like people will always say, well, at least the baby is healthy. Yeah, we, of course, that should just like be not even said like that's Kevin. number one for everybody, like yeah. mom and baby. Yes. Number one, this should just be taken off the table. But mm -hmm. you know, you vaginal births have been, you know, part of women forever and ever you know that's what like we're made to do i mean i'm saying these things like air quotes but you know so i just feel like we can love our kids no matter what and we mm -hmm. can still love to have a certain birth absolutely absolutely oh you guys so many incredible words and thoughts and I feel like, Julie, if you've been writing these down, we've got a lot of amazing Instagram oh, yes. posts. Yes, <laughs> I want to just kind of wrap it up. Unfortunately, we have to go. And I really wish we could just sit and talk with you ladies all day. Oh, I just love you guys so much. But I want to close it off because I want to take it back to something that Anne said about when you interview your provider for your birth, for your VBAC, don't just think about how they'll support you through a VBAC, but consider how mm -hmm. they will support you if things don't go the way you want. And if you end up with a repeat cesarean and maybe start asking those questions too, while you're talking about your birth plan, you're preparing for your VBAC, talk about them with a backup cesarean plan. Mm -hmm. What happens if something comes up and a cesarean becomes necessary, then how are you going to be supported? And you might not like their answers, but you might feel just as supported as you are when they're talking about your VBAC preparation. And so I just kind of wanted to, I just really love that when you said that, Ad. and like I said, I have lots of notes from all you others too, but I just really want to emphasize that to kind of like close this off because sometimes births don't go the way we planned. In fact, I would say Every birth doesn't go to this plan. And sometimes it's in really little teeny ways, but sometimes it's in really big ways. And having support all along the way, no matter how it goes, is very, very important. And I encourage you, you listeners right now, to get educated about repeat cesareans and to know the reasons why they may be necessary and to have those conversations with your provider along the way. Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to thevbaclink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.